0: There is a fabulous article in The New Yorker magazine written by the famous business author Malcolm Gladwell. And the title of the article is How David Beats Goliath. And basically, we understand how David beats Goliath. David beats Goliath by basically breaking the rules. The rules of combat were you put on armor, you put on a sword. David isn't going to win that way. When the the weaker force makes up its own rules, does something, doesn't play by the rules, they win actually two-thirds of the time. What's going on, everybody? Ryan Calagiri here. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm condensing books down to their core golden nuggets and just saving you a little bit of time, bringing a little bit more stimulus, a little bit more knowledge to your life. This week, we're talking about a very cool book, Power, Why Some People Have It and Others Don't by Jeffrey Pfeffer. Now, power is an interesting thing. If power corrupts, why does everyone lust after it and worship those who have it? You might say, well, I don't worship people who have power. Well, we all seek power. We all seek control. Power, if used properly, can keep you healthy, can make you wealthy. It can help you achieve great things in your life and great things for humanity. So Jeffrey Pfeffer, who's a professor of organizational behavior, he explains in the book Power why seeking it is in your best interest and shows you how to attain power and how to keep it. Jeffrey also debunks the objections that you usually hear from powerless people, from weak people, and the powerful people as well. He lays out a step-by-step guide in terms of how you can start building your power, how you can create a powerful persona, what you'll need, and most importantly, what it'll cost you to achieve that power. If you're in a management position, if you're an executive, if you're an entrepreneur, hell, even if you're in a relationship, you need to understand your relationship with power. Power doesn't need to be something that's feared. doesn't need to be something that's ignored or something that's spit on. Power is something to understand. And you can use it in an ethical way. The problem is people associate power with narcissists and, for lack of a better word, jerks. Well, that's not necessarily true. We know a lot of powerful people, if we think about it, who are incredibly influential. Think of Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, Princess Diana. There's a lot of very powerful people. Now, you wouldn't say those people are terrible people, now would you? No, of course you wouldn't. So I'm excited to crack into this book and discover a little bit more about this thing called power. So let's jump right into this one, power, why some people have it and others don't, by Jeffrey Pfeffer. Golden nugget number one. Seek power as if your life depends on it. Because it does. Now, it's sad to say, but power, we just look at it very negatively. When we really shouldn't. It's just got a bad rap. And the reason for that, I understand. Because you have, you know, you see in the media, politicians, uh, different leaders and business people. People who abuse power while promoting their own self-interests. At the expense of others. At the expense of ethics and honesty. And because of that, we associate a lot of negative people, their negative behaviors, with power. And that's wrong. And as a result of that paradigm, a lot of us shy away from the pursuit of power. We see it as distasteful. And, you know, it's people who put their own interests before everyone else. And we don't want to be like those people. However, seeking power, it's very common in a lot of societies and a lot of cultures. And social scientists call power a fundamental human drive. We all need to seek power. And so if you're sitting there right now listening to me and you're saying, well, I don't know if I should be seeking power. I don't know if I want power. So if you're unsure about why you should aspire to achieve power, you might want to consider these three reasons. The first reason, power is related to living a longer and a healthier life. Now, studies show that those with less power and influence over their working lives have higher mortality rates. Less power brings on more stress. And of course, with more stress brings on ill health. So having greater power, it prolongs life. The second reason, power can produce wealth. Now with power, you're able to achieve higher status. You're able to achieve greater visibility, greater credibility, more charisma perhaps, the ability to lead. All of these things can drive you to achieve higher pay and of course career advancement opportunities. Power produces wealth. The third reason, power is a part of leadership. Now, to accomplish almost anything for yourself or for others, you need to be able to wield power. Now, with all those things in mind, you might think that with a little bit of determination, some talent, hard work, you'll achieve power, you'll get money, and you'll get the recognition that you need. But Jeffrey Pfeffer says that's a misguided attitude. Now, why is that, though? Well, the first reason is just that the world is not fair. And I know you might be surprised to hear me say that. That's not a negative perspective. It's just the truth. Life's not always going to hand you a royal flush. It's not going to happen. Life's going to hand you a couple twos and a two and a three and a four. You're not going to be able to do anything with that. And that's just the way it is. So just because you're determined, you work hard and you're talented, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to achieve everything that you want in life. My psychologists call this belief the just world hypothesis. Now, it describes how the desire for a predictable, controlled, controllable environment leads people to consider life ultimately fair. And so you need power in order to kind of balance things in your favor. That's why you need power. Well, another reason that Jeffrey Pfeffer brings up that, that kind of debunks that is that, you know, we look to other people. We look to guides. We look to other examples where people were able to achieve great things in life without the need for power. Well, Jeffrey says that we shouldn't believe everything we read in books and studies about storied business leaders. You know, those business leaders who sit and pontificate about, you know, how they're able to achieve greatness in life. Well, oftentimes what Jeffrey says, they're overlooking the serious power plays that they had to make in order to succeed. They ultimately had to use their power, their influence in order to achieve certain aspects in their life to get them over certain humps, to help them achieve certain goals. Power plays They used power to their advantage. Whether that power came through status, whether it came through having a following, whether that power came through just the ability to be recognized. There are a lot of different power plays that an individual can use in an ethical manner. When it comes down to it, you can work hard all you want. You can be as honest as you want. But unless you have this special little thing called power, you're not going to get what you want in life. You need to be able to understand power, you need to be able to leverage it, and you need to be able to use it at the right time in order to get what you want. And when I talk about your life, yes, we're talking about health in the very beginning, but your career as well. And your career is a big part of your life. I'm sorry, when you're spending 40 plus hours every single week, that's a big part of your life. So you need to understand power in order to get what you want. If you're a coordinator, you wanna become a director one day. If you're a director, you wanna become a CEO one day. If you're working in produce and you want to become a cashier and you want to work your way to a managing position, you need power. You need to be able to demonstrate that. It's absolutely critical. Seek power as if your life depends on it because it does. Golden nugget number two, being a great performer doesn't necessarily lead to power. And that's an interesting thought because you think that, hey, if I just perform well, if I perform exceptionally well, that I'm going to be seen as being powerful, influential, credible. Well, if it did, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon might be running Citigroup today. Arthur Blank and Bernard Marcus they might never have started Home Depot. And Steve Jobs well, Steve Jobs might have held on to Apple in the 1980s. So each of these individuals, each of these leaders, while extremely talented in their own right and very much capable of holding those positions, they all fell victim to power plays in corporate environments. So achieving great results from your work matters a lot less than you think it does. Job advancement, it actually correlates with age, tenure, and how much your boss likes you as well as with your performance. Yes, performance isn't negated, but there's more than just performance here. Being too good at your job could even stifle your career advancement because your superiors, they might want to keep you where you are rather than lose you to a promotion. So yes, demonstrate your proficiency in your job, absolutely. But don't forget, there's a few significant imperatives you have to keep in mind. There's four of them that I want to share with you. The first one is getting noticed. You have to get noticed because we choose and prefer what we remember. Every single one of us does. So you have to stand out and you have to get attention. Don't expect your bosses to just be able to see you every single time you're working hard. It's not going to happen. You have to make yourself known to the higher ups. You have to become memorable. You have to get noticed. The second thing you can do, define the dimensions of performance. Not one person excels at all aspects of their job. It's not possible. So focus your attention on those facets of your performance that make you shine, that make you special, the things that make you dynamic. Focus on those elements. Influence the criteria others use to judge your work. Define the dimensions of performance. So what do I mean by that? I mean, in sales, for example, if you're really great at prospecting, then really shine at that and demonstrate that. Get noticed for that. Talk about how great you are in that aspect. Help other people with prospecting. The third thing to keep in mind, remember what matters to your boss. This is really important because you shouldn't assume you know what your managers favor. You need to talk to your superiors on a regular basis to keep in touch with their priorities. What do they value? Because what they value may change over time and differ from yours. So you want to make sure that what you do well is in alignment with what they're looking for. So let's go back to the old example there. If your boss really doesn't care about prospecting, they care about closing, then you know what? Guess what? You might need to get really good at closing. And you really got to focus on becoming exceptionally good at closing. You might want to read books on closing. Share insights into closing strategies with your boss. So third point, remember what matters to your boss. Incredibly important way to drive power. And the fourth reason, make others feel better about themselves. Now this is very important. This comes back to how to win friends and influence people. Now, you need to take care of your bosses, provide cover if they make mistakes, and point out their accomplishments to other people in the organization. Right? Flatter them. Remember that flattery, applied just correctly, creates a sense of reciprocity. Now, that's really important. You now The law of reciprocity, when it comes into your favor, can be a very powerful thing. And of course, it gives you power. So remember, just because you're performing well on the job, that doesn't necessarily lead to power. Keep these four things in mind to help you drive power in the workplace. Golden nugget number three, use power techniques when networking and when communicating with people. Now be creative in finding ways to build your power and your influence. And it might seem counterintuitive, but the road to power begins by doing the smallest things in some of the most humble settings. Now one of the things you can do is networking. Right, Approach networking is an integral part of your career, an integral part of your life. Network with the right people, both within your organization and, of course, outside of your organization to build your power, grow your influence. Now, it's really important just by being a really nice person. Being a good conversationalist, being a great listener. All these things, by the way, come from the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. If you haven't listened to that episode yet in Cut the Crap Podcast, go back and listen to it. It's one of our first episodes. I believe it's one of the first like 10 to 15 episodes. Go back and and listen to that one. But it's so important. Being a good conversationalist, while very simple, is incredibly important, especially when you're networking. So a few tips here, little takeaways here from power that Jeffrey Pfeffer shares with us when it comes to networking. The first thing you do is you need to take on the guise of authority by behaving and speaking with power in very specific ways. Number one, you need to project confidence. You need to act with assurance, especially when you're uncertain. Now, again, it kind of sounds funny, but it's one of these philosophies of fake it before you make it. Project confidence. Number two, be aware of your audience. Now, the powerful know they are on a stage at all times. So make a point of putting away your cell phone and personal devices when you're engaging with others. They'll notice your attention and they'll remember you for it. Don't get distracted easily. Give them your full attention. Make strong eye contact. Number three, display anger instead of sadness and remorse. That's an interesting one. Research indicates that people consider those who express anger as higher in status and power than those who convey regret or guilt. Others will see you as perhaps more able and may hesitate to challenge you as well in the future. Now, this is really funny because we just talked about this one a couple weeks ago in the episode with Todd Cashton. The upside of your dark side. We talked about the idea of anger being something that's very negative. And no, in fact, anger is not something negative. In fact, we need to embrace anger and use it strategically to build our influence, build our power. The fourth thing. Watch your posture and your gestures. Dress professionally. Stand up straight and walk towards others with confidence. Use small but strong gestures and look people in the eye at all times. Now, it's one of those things I've said before, and people laugh at me all the time when I bring this up. But I'm going to bring it up again because it's a good place for it. But it's my Superman pose. I walk as if I have a big cape behind me. I need to walk to keep it upright, which means I need to keep my shoulders, I need to keep my back straight, my shoulders up, my head held high, and walking with purpose to keep that cape up. And man, when you walk that way, you just feel confident all of a sudden. And not only that, but you project confidence and people feel it. Inside your chest, you might be a little bit worried and you might be shaky, but you know what? Your physiology determines your psychology. And so if you change how you are physiologically, then it'll change how you are psychologically. That's just some good stuff from uh, my good old friend, Tony Robbins. Never forgot that. Your physiology determines your psychology. I love that. The fifth thing, use memory to access the desired emotion. So if you need to project an emotion you're not experiencing, recall a past incidence of that feeling and use it to act your part. Now, this right here is all about acting. And the whole point here is if you need to come up with a certain emotion, if you need to get angry, you need to go back in your mind and think about a time that made you angry. Now, this one's got a little bit fluffy because it's like, who's, who's going to think about that on the spot? I mean, personally, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not. But I don't know. Maybe you're different. Maybe you can go back in your memory and access an old uh, memory that can give you the desired emotion that you need to to use to uh, uh, influence people. I'm not a big fan of this one, but I figured I should share it anyways. The sixth thing, set the stage and manage the context. So make sure the state of your office or your workspace conveys your power. People who are messy, people who are scattered, um, that doesn't convey power. Cleanliness, things being organized. Those things display power. Certain objects on your desk, those things can display power. Take your time in responding. So this is a really important one. You have to learn to breathe deeply. You have to pause before speaking. You'll appear more thoughtful, in control, and in charge than if you just rush in to answer a question. If you're constantly someone that rushes in, rushes in, then you know what, they look at you and they're like, oh, he's not very thoughtful. He's very, um, very jumpy, very quick to answer very reactionary but no if you take your time responding you're doing it on your own time it's power the next point employ interruption now again this is another great strategy that you can use at your disposal don't let others cut you off those with power interrupt and those with less power get interrupted this is very interesting. If you've ever heard of a, a DISC assessment, it's a, a tool that uh, HR managers and HR directors, professionals in general, they like to use to determine the behaviors of certain people in an organization. You have high, uh, high Ds, people of dominance, people of high I's, very friendly um, uh, extroverts, people who like to talk a lot, uh, people who are high S's, high C's, people who are um, very stable or people who like control. Um, When you think about people who are high Ds, they're high dominance. And so when you run into a high D, you find that oftentimes they'll be the ones to interrupt. And all of a sudden, these high Ds, they all come with a sense of power. And Why is that? Well, it's because they like to communicate on their own terms. They want to be heard. And as a result, they're seen to have a lot of power. So this whole idea of interruption is just to be cognizant of. That doesn't mean go around being a jerk and interrupting people left, right, and center to build your power. No, that doesn't build power. It just goes to show you're an ass. Excuse my language. But use it strategically, just as you would use anger strategically. Use interruption strategically. And the last point, apply persuasive language. So you can use language to your advantage to build power. And so certain things that you can do is... Using three-part lists, you know, using three-part lists help you appear more knowledgeable. So if you say, you know, there's three things to this that we have to consider. One, two, three. It makes you seem knowledgeable. It's like, wow, this guy really thought about it. Make comparisons to convey your point. You know, use metaphors. Use stories. Those things are very powerful. Speak without notes to demonstrate your command of the material. And especially maintain eye contact with your listeners when you're presenting. But the most important thing is to talk without notes. People with notes can sometimes stumble and they look at their notes and it doesn't convey confidence. You know, understand the subject really well. Throw those notes away and just talk about it. Be passionate about it. You know, make eye contact with them. Be convicted. Those are all important things to build power. Apply persuasive language. So there's a lot of takeaways there, and yes, while some of this stuff is is networking related, a lot of these things may not be networking related. I mean, when I was sharing some of these golden nuggets, I was sharing it while in my mind thinking about myself in a venue where I might be the keynote, for example, you know, all those different situations. But whenever you're with people, and whenever you're with people in a big room, there's always an opportunity for you to build your power. And so a lot of these different techniques that Jeffrey Pfeffer shares with us that I just shared with you now can definitely be applied to grow your power. And last but not least, golden nugget number four. In your pursuit of power, you will face failure and you will face conflict. So be prepared. Now, how you handle conflicts and certain challenges, it says a lot about your power. Treat your adversaries gracefully and allow them to save face. If you tear them down, they will retaliate. So demonstrate power by being kind. People in position of power, they choose their battles so so they can remain focused on their ultimate goals. Don't take on every battle, be very selective. People of power, they rise above their emotions. They put aside their feelings to maintain beneficial relationships that are strategic to them. Powerful people, they don't quit in the face of opposition. You got to remember this, not giving up is a precursor to winning, right? The path to victory is fraught with many failures. Never forget that. If powerful people suffer a setback, they don't retreat to lick their wounds. Instead, they talk openly about their defeat to remove this sting, to remove the power that other people hold against you. If you talk about your challenges and your mistakes openly, you take away all power of other people holding that against you. Because now you're talking about it. You own that. And a great example of this is Steve Jobs. And when Steve Jobs was fired from Apple, the company that he co-founded in 1985, he was considering leaving Silicon Valley with his tail between his legs. But he didn't do that. Instead, he decided to start over and talk about his next path. What he did next was he started Next. He started Pixar, which of course went on to have amazing success. And later on in life, when he was looking back on all this experience, on all these experiences, he said that this was the best thing that could have happened to him. So all these things are incredibly important to remember on the path to power. Now, of course, power, you have to share. There's a lot of good things to power, but there's a lot of negative things to power. Power does have its costs. So you got to be prepared for that. When you have power, you'll sacrifice an element of anonymity. And every single move you make will be the subject of comment, the subject of scrutiny. Just think about all the people of power in your life. Just think about every move they make. People are scrutinizing it, right? The CEO's at the top, everyone's talking about the moves they make. Oh, they're stupid. Why are they doing this? Or they dress like this, or you're just picking them apart. Right? Politicians, leaders, actors, anybody in a position of power, they're being scrutinized. People in power, they give up control of their schedule. In the end, unfortunately, you'll do less of what you want when you want to do it. You're going to do more of what you have to do because you're in a position of power. This, thing, this is something I don't like, which is why I manage my power. I use power strategically. But when it comes to organizational status, I don't really care too much about that. I really don't. Because when you want more power in an organization, oftentimes having more power means you're going to trade personal and family time for power. So there's some positives of power. There's some negatives of power. I don't want to say that these negatives can outshine the positives. right? You need power in your life in order to achieve greatness. You just need it in your life. However, it all depends on how much power you want. For myself, I'm not interested in becoming a CEO of a company. I just don't care about that. I don't care to lead an organization of thousands of people as the CEO. I don't, I don't give a damn. It's not something that's in my heart. It's not something that's in my career plans. It's not something that I want because... I know that with that power, I'm giving up a lot of things that I find very important to myself. My personal life, my friends, my family. I'm not willing to give those things up for power. I'll use power strategically to get what I want. But not like that. Now, power is very interesting. Very interesting. Because everyone's different. Depending on your career goals, depending on your life plan... You'll need power in order to achieve certain things. Power should be seen as the fuel that gets your vehicle to where you want to get. All right, my friends, there we have it. That's Power, Why Some People Have It and Others Don't by Jeffrey Pfeffer. Now, the book was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Pfeffer, of course, he's a professor at Stanford University, and he specialized in organizational behavior. So the book had more perhaps academic slant to it than it did real world slant. Despite that though, despite that, I really enjoyed this read because this gave us some information about something that perhaps we overlook, something that we ignore, something that we don't take as seriously, power. And so by putting it back on the table, having us think about it, having it be top of mind, I appreciate that, and I'm very grateful that Jeffrey brought this to us and uh, that I'm bringing it to you. So I hope you found value in it. So I'm really excited to talk to Jeffrey on Wednesday. you got to tune in. you got to listen to that one because we dig deeper in this book, and we talk about things that I did not talk about today. And uh, I definitely feel that if you are interested in this idea of power and you're looking to build power, which you should, everybody needs it, you should tune into that episode on Wednesday. If you enjoyed my synopsis today, then please go online, rate and review the show. It would mean a lot to me. And if you enjoyed the synopsis and you're looking forward to hearing from Jeffrey, then definitely go pick up the book and support the man as well, too. It's a solid read. It's uh, an oldie, but definitely a goodie. But in any case, my friends, thank you so much again for tuning in today. I can't wait to get back here Wednesday when I have the interview with Jeffrey Pfeffer, the author of Power. I'll catch you back here in a couple days. Take it easy. I love you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Everything you people have told me, I didn't have the technology, I didn't have the right contacts, I didn't have the time, I didn't have money. Everything you've told me, I didn't have enough Supreme Court justices, those are resources. And so you're telling me I failed because I didn't have the resources. And I'm here to tell you what you already know. Resources are never the problem. It's a lack of resourcefulness is why you failed. Because the ultimate resources are emotional states. Creativity, decisiveness, passion, Honesty, sincerity, love, these are the ultimate human resources and when you engage these resources, you can get any other resource on earth. Resourcefulness is the ultimate resource. And if you don't have what you want, stop telling yourself the story because you don't have the money, you don't have the time. That's bullshit. It's because you haven't committed yourself where you would burn your boats. If you want to take the fucking island, burn your fucking boats. And you will take the island because people, when they're going to either die or succeed, tend to succeed.